0: play play who's to say we're upside down who's to say we're falling if we miss the ground who's to say we're going nowhere if we like spinning around and round welcome to ace space the podcast about being ace and loving space brought to you by the Toshi station network i'm Shoshana, and i'm Seth, and thank you for tuning in to hear us talk about stuff
1: lots of stuff so much stuff
0: <laughs> so this is episode one the phantom menace because we love star wars and puns but last time was the pilot episode in which we talked about exactly what asexuality and aromanticism are
1: yeah so last week last week why do i say that on every podcast even if it's not a weekly podcast I last it last week too yep. so don't don't mind me (laughs) last month we talked about yeah asexuality and aromanticism and spoke about what exactly they are and what they mean to us in particular and so if you want to learn more about those things definitely go listen to that episode but we are going to bring you a brief recap on what asexuality and aromanticism are just to make things easy for you if you don't know cheat cheat time so asexuality is, yeah, you know, in the context
0: of humans, is when someone does not experience sexual attraction as opposed to being sexual attract- se- sexually attracted to the same gender or a different gender or all genders.
1: Yeah, and aromanticism is similar but different in the way that you don't feel romantic attraction to people. Um, basically, the same kind of idea goes. It's just instead of feeling romantic attraction, you don't feel it. To any gender or any particular person.
0: Yep. And those two are not inherently linked necessarily. And they are both more complicated than just, you know, a binary of being asexual or not being asexual. There are literal gray areas like gray sexuality (laughs) and more complicated things like demisexuality in which one only experiences sexual attraction to someone that they already have a deep emotional bond with. And the same thing applies to uh aromanticism.
1: Yeah, so no two people who have have who are asexual or romantic, aromantic, will experience it the same or act the same about things. And so if you know somebody who is asexual, aromantic, don't assume things, because that's never a good idea. Yes, we all know what assuming things does. <laughs> Makes us as everyone.
0: It's true. And so, I don't want to be a donkey.
1: Oh yeah, definitely not. I would rather be a horse. I don't know why I would rather be a horse, but I would.
0: I would rather be a majestic
1: unicorn. See, you're the smart one. You said something cool.
0: (laughs) The national animal of Scotland. Fun fact now we're educational in other ways.
1: Does that mean they have unicorns? Wait, that's a stupid question. They don't have unicorns there. (laughs) Can your national animal be a fictional creature? Apparently, because they did it. That's amazing. Right? (laughs) We just have
0: the stupid eagle.
1: We have a. Oh my god, I think ours is a kiwi. It would make sense if ours was a kiwi.
0: (laughs) Let me look up the national animal of New Zealand. There's just a picture of (laughs) Saff.
1: Yep, it's a kiwi, alright. Oh yeah. So <laughs> we swear our podcast is not about
0: animals. <laughs> so. Yes, but speaking of majestic unicorns, oh my god! Well, aces may seem like unicorns to many people in that they seem completely imaginary and/or hard to find, and also the national animal of Scotland. <laughs> we actually exist and are at least one percent of the population, at least.
1: Yes, that's like a billion people. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. It's like <laughs> I can't do maths. <laughs> literal millions of people. Yeah, that's a lot of people. (laughs) And speaking of asexuality, which is this entire podcast, there's something special about this week. That's
0: right. This is a week in which you get a whole nother episode of Ace Space. But also, (laughs) but also it is Ace Awareness Week, a week dedicated to being aware that aces are not magical unicorns, but in fact, real life unicorns.
1: I awaken every day aware of myself. I usually awake and aware of myself. (laughs) Depends on the day. Yeah, it really does. So with this week, if you're not asexual yourself, it's a good idea to go read about it and learn about it and learn from perspectives of asexual and aromantic people rather than things written about them, um, which is a good idea. In any case of any minority, um, reading first person's perspectives is smart. And if you have any asexual friends, be nice to them. But I mean, be nice to them every week. But be especially nice to them this week. But yes, be nice to your friends. If you have
0: asexual enemies, you don't necessarily have to be nice to them. But at least be aware that they are in fact asexual and acknowledge that about them. (laughs) And then move back on to, you know, your vicious mountain-destroying superhero fights. I don't know. I'm assuming that you're in Dragon Ball Z for some reason.
1: I mean, why not? Why not? Why not? (laughs) So this week we have a very special episode as per every week we will um this week we're going to be talking about headcanons a little bit because when it comes to being a sexual minority in any way headcanons can be very important to fans or any minority in general headcanons become a really important thing because canon itself often does not give you what you want in any form um it's getting better recently that's for sure with different things but Headcannons are still going to be a big thing in the future because they've helped a lot of people in their lives, I suppose. I love headcannons, basically. sure. what are your feeling on headcannons? Well, you know,
0: headcannons are always going to be around because there's always going to be some sort of hole in media that people's imaginations will fill. So, yes, I, I really enjoy headcannons. I don't necessarily have a ton on my own unless I set out to like think of some but they're pretty great. And also, we should probably talk about what headcanons are for people not in the fandom know.
1: That is very smart. So headcanons are basically something you imagine is true about a given fictional universe. So it's not something in canon, it's not something that's established fact within the universe, but it's something that you believe could be true or is true in your personal view of the universe. So, like, my headcanon that... Ahsoka never dies and she just goes on living forever and ever and ever in Star Wars, which no matter what the actual show or movies or books or whatever tell me, I'm never going to stop believing.
0: Or a more common example of a headcanon would be like, oh, X character and Y character are Xs and that's why they treat each other the way that they do. Like um, Xavier and Magneto as yep. bitter exes which it may eventually be completely disproven by canon. However, until then, that headcanon can live on without, you know, not necessarily being contradicted by anything. Yeah,
1: and another big one is generally two characters being in love, even though it's never actually stated within the thing. Um, That's it with no bitterness, by the way. It sounded a bit bitter. There was no bitterness there. But a main one at the (laughs) moment would be, like, Poe and Finn from The Force Awakens. Um, A lot of people headcanon them being gay for each other. And it's entirely possible that maybe one day Star Wars will give us that. But for now, it's just a headcanon. Indeed,
0: and it may stop being a headcanon and move on into very popular fanfiction territory. I mean, it's already there, but it may move on from being headcanon into if only category come future episodes, but at the moment it's not. Or ooh. One thing that I think someone has described as headcanon would be uh, Sam and Jack's relationship in Stargate SG-1, to which I say, what are you talking about? That is clearly actual canon. (laughs) Though it's not (laughs) clearly, clearly, but I don't think it's actually explicitly stated in the show. Same with like the relationship. The uh, Amelia and Naga being sisters in Slayers, heavily, heavily implied, very much hinted at, never explicitly brought up, but people headcanon different things about that.
1: Yeah. So basically, a lot of people have different headcanons to different things. And some people have more than others, some people have less than others. It can even just be like as simple as headcanoning a character's skin tone if it's never actually stated within a book. Hermione. Yeah, I was gonna say Hermione. A lot of people (laughs) he Hermione as being black, which makes a lot of sense if you read her descriptions in the book. And even in The Cursed Child, a black actress plays her. So It
0: contradicts nothing in yeah, canon.
1: Exactly. And so that's kind of an example of where headcanons actually came into becoming actual canon in a way, in one iteration of the series. But in the books, it's still just a headcanon because it's never been confirmed either way. And within the series itself, it won't ever be confirmed because the series is already out and published but yeah that they can come in many forms and if you believe something about a certain character that's never actually said within the movie or the canon any fictional part of the universe that it's from then it's basically a headcanon and that's not a bad thing headcanons aren't bad they can be bad if they are misused but they generally aren't bad and i forgot where i was going with that but we love them because we don't get a lot of asexual characters in fiction and cannons can really help with that
0: yeah but one thing can- head canons cannot do is replace uh, the importance of overt canon representation. They are not the same thing. Um, this cannot be stressed enough because some sometimes creators like to take an easy way out when it comes to things that are quote controversial unquote um,
1: like minority sexualities by
0: implying something or encouraging head canons, but never actually providing representation.
1: Yeah, that is definitely a thing. And when it comes to LGBT stuff, it's also, it's also, it's often called queer baiting um, because the creators know that a large part of the fandom wants these characters to get together and so they hint at it that they might be gay or something and it never actually happens within the series. I don't know where Supernatural is at the moment, but I know Supernatural has been accused of it a lot for, um, Dean and Cass, Sam and Cass, I don't know any of the characters' names. This is the angel guy and one of the other guys. Um, Apparently there was a lot of queer baiting with that. I don't know where that's gone because I don't watch Supernatural, but I do know that a lot of people were really mad about that because it's not the same as actual representation. The creators can hint at it all they want, but unless it actually explicitly happens, it's all just words. It doesn't actually mean anything.
0: Yeah, or it's, or sometimes people will say things outside of canon confirming uh, relationships or sexualities, but it won't be reflected explicitly within the canon, which, with something like representation that people can very easily just brush aside like that, um, can be a huge problem. Like Dumbledore. Or one that just makes me very frustrated often is uh, bubbling
1: in adventure time, oh, yeah, That one really frustrates me, yes, and I've seen
0: people treat it like it's in-text canon, but no, it's just the voice actor confirmed it once. but very and there's all there's implied. all this there's all this subtext, but it's not the same as actually giving kids representation,
1: yeah, if you contrast adventure time with bubbling, um, with Steven Universe. <laughs> And Ruby and Sapphire. Ruby and Sapphire are very explicitly in love, and it is very hard to brush that aside and be like, no, no, they're just pals. They're just gal pals. They're just friends. So it's clearly not just a studio
0: thing, then, because they're both Cartoon Network.
1: What Rebecca Sugar did was very insidious, basically. She built it up very slowly and very subtly until the point where they couldn't really stop her anymore. There's not really much that could happen there. I think with Adventure Time also adventure time was a lot bigger and it's a little bit of an older show now as well like i think it's finishing on this season Um, it is oh my god it's finally over we're free yeah
0: but i i think i also saw someone mentioning uh foster's home for the imaginary friends which i haven't really watched much um as in at all but that apparently has queer characters in it as well and that too is cartoon network
1: I know Cartoon Network is definitely better than, say, Disney XD, which had oh my God. Gravity Falls. And Gravity Falls tried multiple times to include queer characters within the They stopped cast. there
0: from being a, a, a cute old lesbian couple.
1: Yeah, like the <laughs> actual so came in and stopped them from doing that. And in the end, they largely implied that there was a gay couple in the town. But that was the best I could do. And so Wait, they did? When? Yeah, um, in the final episode. The cops. Oh, oh yeah, the cops. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Right. yeah. 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 So it's not always like it's frustrating <laughs> when this happens. Because it's not always the creator's decision <laughs> to just hint at things. Sometimes it is their only choice because the studio won't let them do otherwise because of the idea that if they include these things, ratings will go down or people will get mad at them or whatever. Which people do get mad at these things. So I <laughs>
0: I think the big argument for Adventure Time at least was um they have a large international audience as well, like with, you know, movies. Um, so I think for them particularly it was Russia, the Russian audience.
1: Oh uh.
0: That's the argument I've read, but at the, it, but it's still very, very frustrating when that happens. Because even if you imply it, even if people headcanon it, it's not going to have the same sort of impact on individuals. It's not going to have the same sort of impact on kids. Um, like with, with Sailor Moon, there's two characters who very were very, 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 very obviously lesbians. In the original American localization, they were made out to be cousins. Ugh.
1: Many, many kids picked up on it.
0: Many kids did
1: not. So Yeah. As opposed to like Legend of Korra, which makes it very clear at the end. No, it doesn't state it, but it is very clear that Asami and Korra are in love with each other. Um and I think that the comic coming out will probably make that even more clear. But oh, they confirmed one... that it's gonna go into their relationship. So Perfect. I'm gonna read that. Yes. Um
0: also we need to keep uh certain Megs and nerfs from listening to this episode
1: now. If you haven't watched Legend of Korra, don't listen to this, but it's too late for you now. <laughs> um <laughs> There's
0: there's a podcast called The Avatar State, in which um, two people who have seen Avatar The Last Airbender, Mallory and Austin, and two people who have not, and know basically nothing about it, Meg and Nerf, I know Nerf has a real name, I just don't know what it is, um, <laughs> Walked through the series. So we're trying to keep Meg and Nerf as unspoiled as possible, because I don't know if they know the spoiler for Korra, or if different people are going to pop in when they move on to Korra, but... I don't want to take any chances.
1: So, yeah, Korra's good. I love that show. I cried when that when that episode came out because I genuinely, like, okay, this is what queerbaiting has done. Is it has basically made me, I hit canon, basically every character is queer in some way. Um, I, If I see a lady, I'm like, she loves that other lady. Just straight away. It's just my first reaction because it's what I want. I want the ladies to love ladies. And so for the last two seasons of Korra, Korra and Asami were becoming closer and closer friends. And I was like, Haha, <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they were gay? The gay in my head—it's never going to happen. In the show and the final episode came out, and I did literally did not believe what was happening because I've been played too many times by things, too many times when things have hinted at stuff, and then at the end been like no. And so when it actually does happen now, it's genuinely surprising, and it and it shouldn't be so much of a big thing, but it is.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's like it just doesn't happen. And now it is actually happening, and for us old timers, I say like Saf's old at all, (laughs) um, as opposed to like young teenagers now, it's just weird. Like, you don't expect it to ever happen because it didn't for so long.
1: And I think ways you can see it's changing as well is like Xena, an old TV series um, in which Xena and, oh, what's her name? Gabby? That seems Gabrielle. Right. Gabrielle. There we go. Gabrielle. Are heavily implied to be an lesbian couple. But there never- is
0: even an episode in which there is a guy following them around with a video camera, like making like a documentary at the very end of the episode. He's just like, OK, OK, Zena, just just lay it out for me. Are you two and Gabrielle lesbians? And then Zena opens her mouth and then there's like static.
1: Yeah, they couldn't camera they- failure. Like they go that far with it. Yeah. They couldn't say it back then. There was no way they were allowed to, but they implied so heavily. And I think they said, because they're doing a remake or something, right? Um, The guy doing that, I should know all these names and I should know all these facts, but I don't, said that he's going to make it very clear that they are actually lesbians, which is just a sign of times changing and being able to actually do that. And the fact that these people who have been pushing for these things for ages are still, they still want it. Nobody's given up. But... Diving back, diving back, that's a weird thing to say. Um, <laughs> heading back towards asexuality in particular, a lot of asexual characters, at least in our minds, are canon because explicit asexual representation is not really a thing. It's not common. It happens, it does happen. Apparently, Shorten Street, which is a New Zealand soap opera, had an asexual character once, which I think is awesome because it happened so long ago. In terms of me existing, um,
0: oh, I was gonna say, like, how, how long ago could this exist if they used the word asexual? <laughs>
1: like, I don't know. Um, I should, I've looked this up so many times and I cannot remember when it was. Um, <laughs> it hasn't been recent because I would have known, I think. But, I forgot what I was going on. But yeah, mostly it's stuff that we canon, and usually it ends up getting proven wrong because creators are like, no, 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 they're not asexual. There's nothing wrong with them. They're fine. They can have romantic relationships. Like, one that we got hit up with on our Twitter was Sherlock, I think. Yes.
0: Yeah, Sherlock got mentioned um, as an asexual character, which, you know, we'll probably get into in another episode in a little bit more detail, but
1: Moffat... Yeah, so anybody that knows me relatively well knows that I am not fond of Moffat as a writer or as a person. Um, Moffat! Yeah, so he actually got asked about um, Sherlock's sexuality. I should... Oh my god, why don't I have the link open so I can remember it? Um, It was in The Guardian. Okay, it was in The Guardian that this is quoted. But basically he got asked about Sherlock's sexuality because a lot of people had canon Sherlock as asexual or as gay, um, or both, sometimes both, also aromantic. Sherlock is a character that a lot of people can read in different ways because even in the books he still has like these hints that whether or not they were fully intended, they're still there. And so Moffat replied, and I'm quoting him literally, There's no indication in the original stories that he was asexual or gay. He actually says he declines the attention of women because he doesn't want the distraction. What does that tell you about him? Straightforward deduction. He wouldn't be living with a man if he thought men were interesting. And then he goes on to say, It's the choice of a monk, not the choice of an asexual. If he was asexual, there would be no tension in that. No fun in that. It's someone who abstains who's interesting. There's no guarantee that he'll stay that way in the end. Yeah. So that's... Yeah.
0: That's bad. Yep. But, however... Because the creators and the works are not the same thing, one can still headcanon whatever the hell
1: they want. (laughs) Yeah. And Sherlock doesn't belong to Moffat. He has this adaptation but it's not his character. Um, and so other adaptations can do whatever they want with Sherlock because yep. he's he, he is open to interpretation. And just because Moffat thinks that asexuality isn't interesting because there's no tension, which is wrong because other things have done it well and shown that asexual characters are indeed interesting characters and there is indeed interesting te- tension with being asexual, shout out to Bojack Horseman, there's, it's just so bad that that's the first place his mind goes is that it's not interesting these characters aren't interesting these people aren't interesting because obviously sex is the only thing that makes a character actually interesting there needs to be sexual tension between them or else what's the point and also the idea that he wouldn't be living with john if he was gay is also bad yeah it's pretty ridiculous like ugh. and again because it's an un-
0: adaptation it's a different interpretation it doesn't have to stick to what the original books say completely like it's already not like Sherlock doesn't have a cell phone in the original books
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> let's
0: let's move on with our lives people but also as with all tv shows they're not one man productions so Moffat Sherlock is not just Moffat Sherlock many people work on it so I want not overly get stressed about what he says, because you can still headcanon whatever the heck you want. But also we need to be, you know, just very clear that implication is not the same as canon. It's like in the show, if they hint that Sherlock might be. Sexually, it could be read that way. It doesn't have the same sort of effect on the viewer and the surrounding culture that having representation does. Yeah. So, like, just because you know, you could say it's implied that Goku in Dragon Ball isn't is asexual. That's just you know, that's one way of reading it. But people can just ignore it because they or you know might not even see it at all because heteronormativity is so strong that unless certain things are spelled out, people aren't going to think of you know
1: alternatives oh my god i just thought of one as sort of a character that i totally had Ken as asexual and aromatic and it's totally not in the actual thing Kenneth, i love Kenneth so much and i don't know why i didn't just think i only just saw her now oh my god but, how did i not think of her either <laughs> but yeah Kenneth Everdeen could be very much read as aromantic and asexual from how she interacts with the male characters in the book um you can also read it in a way that you know she's not interested in those things because she's fighting for her survival which is very fair but there it can also very easily be read that she's not interested in those things as well because she may be aromantic or asexual and just because she has kids in the end does not mean that she's not asexual still so i very much read her as that i actually meant to write something about that at one point and i never did because i'm the worst um, and i mean and yeah. i mean
0: to be fair everyone else in those series is also fighting for their survival and yet they still seem to get caught up in this whole love triangle nonsense i mean just look at gail he's always thirsty ah <sighs> Gale, <laughs> just just go get a drink of water, Gale. It's fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So again, this is another example of characters that can be read as it, but are never explicitly stated to be it. So it doesn't actually count. Yep. Though we
0: should again say there's nothing wrong with head cannons, and I think even once, even when there's plenty of representation to go around for everyone, I still think there'll be head cannons like this. Like there are head cannons again, like um Sam and Jack, who are totally canon.
1: I swear uh, to God, that was actually canon. I don't believe that that's just a head cannon.
0: I think they never explicitly stated that they were officially like a couple, but there's uh there's how do you deny that? <laughs> anyway, moving on from my Stargate obsession. Because there's, again, there's always holes to be filled and there's always different ways to interpret characters. And that's not a bad thing. It's just when all you have is headcanon and you have no representation that it's an issue. When you have representation, then what the heck, headcanon, whatever you want. Basically just headcanon whatever you want and don't accept the ability to make a headcanon of something as a substitute for representation because they are not the same. The difference between it's it's like you don't substitute sugar for salt it just doesn't work
1: yeah basically but yeah since this episode is about head cannons we're going to talk a little bit about some ace head cannons that we have in star wars because we love star wars a lot i'm shocked oh wow what a surprise Steph. <laughs> I didn't.
0: I didn't know we love Star Wars.
1: I'm sorry to tell you this, like this. I should have given you some warning.
0: I say as I sit next to my bed with its Star Wars covers and Star Wars action figures and Star Wars micro machines and oh, kitty just moved. Hi, kitty. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Star Wars kitty. It's just a cute kitty. No loth cat. Not a loth cat. Just a fluffy cat. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> to be fair it's... though, that does mean it has a less. He has a less terrifyingly huge grin. That's probably a good thing. Okay, so, headcanons. One popular one that seems to come up a lot in fandom, as, like, the example of an ace headcanon, is Luke Skywalker, also known as Nancy's boyfriend. (laughs) He can very easily be read as um, asexual and or aromantic. Like, you can honestly interpret his reaction to Princess Leia in in very different ways. Like, you know, he already wanted adventure, and oh, hey one, she is objectively pretty, and two, adventure time! Woo! Different kind of adventure time than the cartoon. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry about that. And then also his reaction to uh, the kiss can also be interpreted in different ways.
1: Um, Like him
0: just messing with Han, which is what Leia was doing.
1: Or just really strong, like a familial forced connection that he's never experienced before. And that gets weird, but it could be interpreted as that. Um... I personally read Luke as ace myself. I know a lot of people that don't. Um, him kissing someone also doesn't say that he's not ace. Like, asexual people can kiss other people. Not everyone does, but some do. Um, if and they can enjoy it. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's not really a huge indication that someone isn't asexual, that they seem to have a crush on someone. Or that they do kiss someone. I mean, asexual doesn't mean aromantic. And even if Luke... Luke could also be read as aromantic. That's fair as well. Um, but just because you have feelings someone doesn't mean you're asexual. <laughs> Asexuality does not mean no romantic feelings. So, yeah. Though, come to think
0: of it, I think even in the expanded universe of old, you can potentially read Luke as ace. Not romantic, but, like... I'm not going to go into much detail on that because I don't think you've, like, read the whole Thrawn trilogy or anything. But... No. Like, he's got a bunch of different love interests, but from the parts I've read, I think he, you could still consider him ace. That could work.
1: I think I know people who actually do. Um, I've read some stuff about it, but I don't remember anything off the top of my head. But I would also like to say that Luke may not ever be confirmed ace or confirmed gay or confirmed anything, really. But the fact that he's a main character in a movie, very big movie series, and he didn't end up with, like, the girl like he didn't actually have that romantic relationship in the end is kind of nice because we don't see that all that often even now like 30 years later yeah no
0: it's like there's a reason it's such a big shock when it turns out that they're siblings like gosh i remember this hilarious in retrospect letters column from like the old marvel star wars comics um when they were publishing them between um when a new hope came out and but before Empire Stri- Strikes Back came out, um, someone wrote in and said, stop being coy. We all know that, you know, Luke and Leia are supposed to be young lovers. Like, it's super heavenly applied. Throw some romance in these comics. And the, the response was just, um, we're still not going to do that just to
1: be safe. I love reading those things so much. I feel so sorry for Luke and Leia Shippers like, of old. I feel so sorry for them, because that movie coming out would have been so painful. And I was so scared that that was going to happen with the new trilogy. Like, I was like, I can't ship anyone, because what if they're related? What if that happens again?
0: Yeah, that's, you know, one of the reasons people are not huge fans of uh, Reylo. Yeah, because they could potentially be related. It's not the only reason. Like, yeah,
1: there are many reasons. But also, like bringing that up real quickly that's one case where headcanons can be bad but also not necessarily it's how they're broadcast in the world essentially like people can enjoy problematic ships and problematic relationships in their fiction without it ever impacting their lives or impacting other people's lives but when it comes into those things you have to be careful about who you talk to about them where you put that stuff um and how much you kind of forgive problematic things within your fiction um and uh, how strongly you defend it because
0: like if you're defending something really with a ton of issues like you're very ve- vehemently defending it to someone who has been hugely negatively impacted by those things in real life you know you're kind of putting your ship uh, ahead of the well-being of actual humans who matter
1: Yeah. Um it's it's a tough line to tread because it's totally okay to enjoy problematic things, but it's not okay to or normalize Or else we couldn't them. enjoy anything, ever. Yeah. Like, I have a bunch <laughs> of problematic ships that I really like, and I enjoy fiction that goes in those areas somewhat like that a lot of people do but it's when it gets normalized or romanticized and starts to become an accepted thing that's when it starts having issues mm, that kind of goes with tropes that go with asexuality as well somewhat um that there are ways that asexuality is used to code someone as robotic or emotionless or not masculine or like th- things as- associated with asexuality um, like not understanding sex or romance or whatever And those are fine, like, once or twice in moderation. That's understandable because for some people, they are asexual and they are also kind of emotionless because some people are just like that. But when it becomes a normalized thing and accepted thing because everyone uses it and everyone's like, oh, this is good, that's when it starts becoming problematic. And so it's not just headcans that become problematic, it's also tropes and... Other ways of representation. Yeah,
0: we you know, remember tropes. One instant uh, one instance of something in and of itself in one piece of media is not inherently bad. The problem is the wider, co- the cultural context surrounding it. Like, is the majority of uh, characters who are, you know, a certain way p- portrayed this way? Because then that shapes how people think about it. You know, that's why, like, it's false equivalence to say that, oh, well, the new Ghostbusters movie and the way it treats men is just as bad as, you know, <laughs> horrible sexist. Like, it's not the same thing because men are portrayed in a huge variety of ways all the time it's very rare for this sort of thing to happen yeah so it's yeah
1: one example i can think of actually from twitter today our friend maya was tweeting about it these the we love you maya we do love you maya Um, There's a trope of Asian girls in fiction having colored streaks in their hair, which happens, seemingly like, every time there is one in something. Um, Oh my
0: god, it's even in in X-Men First Class.
1: It's in literally everything. If there's, like, a spunky Asian girl, she's gonna have a streak, a colored streak in her hair. It's even in Pacific Rim, (laughs) which I love, but Pacific Rim does it too for, like, no reason whatsoever. And that's another thing where, like, in one case, cool. In a few cases, yeah, that's still cool. Like, it... If it matches the character, that makes a lot of sense and that's really cool. But when it's every single time, it becomes a shorthand and for something that may not be good and it's basically taking away from who the characters are because it's just an assumption that this is what they're all like it's kind of like it it gives representation and then takes it away by making every single representation the same
0: yeah it takes representation and turns it into stereotyping instead yeah. and, stereotyping, and or reinforcement of stereotyping which you know it's not yeah you want variety because you know people are all people and people are all complex and no matter what one characteristic of them might be where there's huge variety of people who
1: fall within that category yeah and it's also just boring it's really boring when every single character of a certain type is the same and every single thing. It's, what are you talking about? I think all stoic male protagonists should be white dudes with stubble all over their faces and heads. Clearly, that's not boring. Literally, copy paste so many male int- protagonists from so many video games into other video games in order to do the same thing. And uh, that's really Mass boring. Effect. Why did you? Why did you use that as the default shepherd image? Why? <laughs> Um, I mean, Mass Effect's old. That's understandable. Somewhat.
0: They could have all. They you know they could have alternated in promotional material between Shep and FemShep.
1: Yeah, I mean I they had they, the power. They were going to do that with Dragon Age Acquisition as well, and they just didn't. But they do. Did do it. They are doing on Mass Effect Andromeda, so they get in there eventually, I guess. I mean, I say that. Okay, I say that. I, I should talk Bioware, but in reality, they are actually one of the most forward thinking, representational companies making games out there and i really appreciate everything they do
0: they do a lot and they like work to change these things and a lot of it isn't the game developers themselves it's the marketing um which the game developers developers do not necessarily have any control over but yeah Bioware. I love Bioware.
1: I know that they want to do an asexual romance as well, so I'm hoping maybe that'll come up in one of the next few games, because they have mentioned it. They want to do asexuality, and they want to do polyamory. And so, these are things that they're thinking about, and because they're thinking about it, other companies will be too, which is reassuring, but I want it to happen already. Yes. yeah.
0: And I really need to go back to my, my brother's house and steal his computer and finish my um, Inquisition game with my uh, gay Kunari lady Inquisitor.
1: Are you romancing Sarah?
0: No. Oh, Josephine. Josephine. Yeah.
1: It, it was it was
0: pretty funny like I saw the first scene with her in it and I was just like Is she a potential romantic interest cuz yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: still I was waiting just instantly like hey. I'm still waiting for Bioware to like have like a knightly gay dude and a warriorly queer lady. Because generally you get like the sneaky the sneaky buys who are like assassins or something.
0: Or Or you get Iron Bowl.
1: You get Iron Bowl. I love Iron Bowl. Or or a gay mage. Who but yeah, not a gay knight. Yeah, like Cullen being by and Kess being by would have been really cool. For representation stuff, but that didn't happen, so whatever, it's fine. I don't care that I couldn't romance Cass.
0: You care so much, saf don't you? I
1: care so much. <laughs> 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 I don't know how this became like a Bioware hour. <sighs> <sighs> um,
0: That's okay, because my brain started just kind of drifting off and being like, Man, Fire Emblem, when are they finally gonna have like more than one token gay romance per game? Which they only just had with the most recent games. Wasn't that like a
1: huge thing about it? They made a huge deal
0: about it, but it's like one... Like, in Birthright, there is like one lesbian character you could romance if you're a girl. And in Conquest, there is one gay character you can romance if you're a guy. And it's just like, that's not a lot of options. And also... Like, that means you can't just kind of uh, matchmake people. Yeah. Which I so desperately wanted to do in um, Fire Emblem Awakening. Like, Kajal and Muriel, come on, you guys.
1: I've never played those games, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) But yeah, no, and it was especially frustrating because um, the lesbian character is apparently very, very similar to a certain character in Awakening who's
1: kind of a total creeper. Oh. So it's
0: like, why would you want to romance her? That's creepy.
1: Oh, yeah. They kind of had the issue um with Dragon Age Inquisition as well with Sarah, that she ended up being kind of a not great character, even though she had a lot of potential, which... Again, would be fine if there was a lot more representation. But her being the only lesbian character in Dragon Age means that she is the only lesbian character in Dragon Age, and so how she acts is basically how the lesbian character in Dragon Age acts. It but at back. least the buys weren't sneaky. I mean, some of them were. <laughs> I can't remember who the bias were in that game, but I'm sure they were sneaky.
0: Iron Bull and
1: Josephine. He's a spy. By definition, he is sneaky.
0: Well, yes, but...
1: Yeah, that whole thing kind of comes back to the idea of we need actual representation of things, and we need different representation of things. And Yes. Uh, um, going back to Star Wars, back to headcanons as well. Sure, you have a really interesting headcanon that I've literally never thought of before, and I want you to talk about it a bit.
0: Wait, but first we have to say, Luke the Ace Pilot.
1: Okay, now moving on. <laughs>
0: And I can't take credit for that. That's all over the place. So many people are aware, especially many people listening to this show because Tashi Station Network, that there is currently a Star Wars animated series called Star Wars Rebels. Many other people are not aware of this because they have tuned out of Star Wars animated series a long time ago. Anyway, you should watch it. And there's a character named Sabine Wren who I, at some point, developed this elaborate headcanon of her being um, asexual and romantic which yeah she's she's pretty awesome she's a um Mandalorian demolitions expert graffiti artist. She's one of my favorite characters. If not, my favorite character in Star Wars Rebels. Oh, and she's portrayed as Asian. Just throwing yeah. that in there.
1: She is absolutely Asian. Uh-huh. Remember,
0: there are no white people in Rebels other than the Imperials, and then it's like, oh my god, change up the models already.
1: <laughs> so, what, was there any particular reason why you had cancer being as Ace, or did it just kind of happen?
0: Um, I think it just kind of happened, because I was amused by the uh, complete disinterest she showed Ezra and then I was like hey wouldn't it be funny if and then I was like oh that would actually be really awesome I really like it but she like she just doesn't show any interest in that sort of thing which is very unusual for teenage characters in television series so she just like you know she just wants to art and then you have like characters from her past show up and it's like oh maybe they dated and that's her ex-girlfriend
1: yes Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think I'm going to probably start headcanning that to myself. I'm going to steal your headcanon. Um. (laughs) How dare you. I'm sorry i'll give it back one day okay that's fine <laughs> you can borrow it it's fine so that's one that
0: i just kind of developed at some point and am very happy with and continue to have because I- they, like they haven't like given her any love interests and it's so refreshing it is really refreshing i mean like it,
1: compared to you know, in,
0: the clone wars Yeah, even in clone wars they kept giving ahsoka like these crappy love interests
1: i mean it was just one really and he was not amazing <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, you had, like, the one crappy one, and then you had the amazing one who wasn't crappy
1: and who was also Barris. And I'm going to stop talking now. I mean, there was also Stila. They could have been in love. Oh, yeah, there was Stila. yeah. (laughs) I really wish that they had just ditched Lux and gone together.
0: Lux was the worst. I just wanted to punch him in the face.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I actually, speaking of Ahsoka, I kind of read her as asexual myself. I can see that. Yeah, like, she has pressures on people but it doesn't ever actually seem like she cares like in a sexual way but she's also like a kid in the Clone Wars. Well she's a teenager in the Clone Wars. I call everyone younger than me a kid I'm gonna be honest. Um, well I mean, to yeah, be fair everyone teenager. younger than you is a kid but. Is that because I'm a kid? Maybe I can accept that, <laughs> but
0: she really does crush on everyone. So she'd be like biromantic.
1: Yeah, absolutely biromantic. Like crush on Padme. Oh my gosh! I mean, who wouldn't? S- such a big crush. Same. I love Padme so much. <laughs> Um, another character i read as asexual or something is obi-wan because i love him a lot and he was one of the main characters i actually identified with when i was a kid not necessarily because i read him as asexual back then but just because he was a really cool jedi and i had the jedi (laughs) apprentice books when i was a kid um but as i I got more into star wars later on in life i read him more and more asexual as well and i kind of saw him as sort of how i wanted to see myself if that makes sense like he was this really cool heroic guy and he still had lots of friends and he still like had people who liked him and he still liked people but he never actually had those explicit relationships and it didn't matter to him so much like he cared a lot about people and he needed those connections but when it came to actual like intimacy it didn't really matter to him because he was still just doing other stuff wait so you read the jedi apprentice books yes did you read the jedi quest books uh which ones are those
0: those are like the the sequels but that was anakin i yes
1: i think i did i asked
0: because i was a, a huge um uh, baby shipper when it came to obi-wan and siri when i was little oh my god yes <laughs> <laughs> like holy cow Um, the jedi apprentice books oh she's so good yeah
1: jedi apprentice is a surprisingly good series it's like i reread it um a couple years back as i was reading through star wars chronologically because i hate myself um (laughs) i realized (laughs) you should talk to brie about that sometime
0: (laughs) they should read through everything okay go on Tashi station and do a search on waru express oh god because basically
1: yeah i gave up (laughs) i gave up about 300 books in (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I did say 300. It was probably more like... she. Well, like, she skipped
0: the um, Young Readers stuff. Um, but, like, over 200 books in order, including many of the more painful ones, as yeah. in all of them.
1: Some of them are real painful. That's why I stopped. I was, um... Reading... She also live-streamed live- Crystal Star. It was amazing. Oh, my God. I don't envy that. I'm, I'm sure she's still
0: recovering from the liver damage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Siri. Siri's a great character. Siri's my favorite character. I it love her forever.
1: Amazing. And oh, I loved her so much. She oh, did she get fridged? Um,
0: well, there is a certain book that I've always refused to read called Secrets of the Jedi, which um is basically about the tragic lost loves, or the, the tragic love lives of Obi-Wan, uh, Qui-Gon, and Anakin.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember that book.
0: Because, like, yeah, so I didn't read it because, like, I read a spoiler for what happened or, like, I flipped through it at the bookstore and saw what happened, but she gets fridged in that.
1: I remember but... her dying. I just don't remember when or how. I have very vague memories of everything I've read in Star Wars because I read them all back to back, and I regret it so much. Oh, don't I don't do that to <laughs> But, like, it specifically
0: was in that book to show, see, this is a long-running theme with these guys. Because, like, in the Jedi Apprentice series, there's the thing with Qui-Gon's the love towel. interest.
1: and Oh, she's amazing, though.
0: She, she is amazing, up until she dies.
1: Very tragically. Yeah, Star Wars has an issue with that.
0: Yeah, and then, like, so Jude Watson creates this great character, Siri Tachi, and then when she's writing this book, Secrets of the Jedi she's just kind of like oh i know let's also kill off siri just for just to tie this book together and it's like no don't do it don't don't jude why why would you do that i guess anyway i need i need to get back to my retrospective that i started a few years ago (laughs) and then i did like the first post and then not the second (laughs) yeah a book a post was a bad idea
1: yeah it would be i also don't envy you that I read the
0: second one and took very detailed notes. I just never actually wrote that post. I should do that.
1: Yeah. It reminds me I need to write my Ahsoka review. But I'll do that eventually. Yay. You should definitely read the Ahsoka book because I feel like we could have thoughts for this podcast. Okay. I will
0: have to read it then. Um, It's
1: all implications. Yes as you. Well, it always is. I look, oh. I'm gonna, like, one day just take Star Wars by its shoulders and look it very seriously in the eye and be like, please give us some other LGBT representation.
0: I mean, they've, you know, in the, the new books they've been doing that slowly but way faster than the older books were doing like we already have so much more than we did in the older books but like most star wars fans don't read the books yeah at all i mean and like the characters that people know the names of aren't the ones who are only in the books and those are the ones where you find that representation
1: i absolutely love what Star Wars has done so far with the new canon, like there's so many queer characters. Just it's ridiculous. Like But none of them show up on screens of any kind. Yeah. None of them are huge characters within like the universe that everybody knows. When they get none one in them. the they movies, they aren't even in Rebels. They aren't in Rebels. No, they're not. Though though, there are Lesbians in the Clone Wars, but that's also Word of God, so it doesn't quite count. Wait, wait, when? Um what? oh I can't remember their names. The lightsaber thief in the one where Stoke is their lightsaber. There's those two ladies or something. And one of them killed the other one's husband or something. I haven't watched this episode in a million years, but they're. Listening. Huh! Yeah, Pablo confirmed it on Twitter a while back, and I was very excited. Yeah, but that's like.
0: That's Dumbledore level. That's still not like. Oh, yeah,
1: and it's n- it's hardly even implicated within the show. <laughs> um, but I do.
0: Like, honestly, there's more implication about Barris and Ahsoka than that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of
0: course, it's there's more implication about Barris and Ahsoka than many things, but.
1: Yeah, so. Star Wars is doing so well. But it could give us so much more. It could. We, we can will. always improve. And we will keep nudging it until it does. Indeed.
0: Indeed, we will. So those are our Star Warsy ace head cannons.
1: And a lot of. And or stuff. arrow
0: hand cannons. <laughs> yes. And then some other stuff as well. We would like to hear about your guys' Star Warsy and non-Star Warsy ace and arrow head cannons. I feel like we would have had some more non-Star Warzy ones if we weren't us but yeah
1: i'm trying to i know there are other characters in star wars that i totally head canon as ace and arrow like it's just a thing that i do that i can most characters is that but i literally cannot think of any of the ones that i usually do except for obi-wan
0: like sabine was the big one for me let's see luke is the big one for the fandom as a whole
1: um droids oh, yeah. don't count ray a lot of people see ray as being oh yeah arrow.
0: i would love if she was arrow ace
1: yeah, me too. Or
0: like homo ace, or yep. bi romantic ace. It'd be
1: amazing to have a main female character who didn't end up with someone, and
0: or at least didn't end up with some guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also very much want her and Finn to end up together. But I am very, I am quite a minority now within the fandom wanting that. And I think that would be, a- a that
0: would be cute. Finn. But also, like, her and Jess, because they never even interact, and I have... They never even interact, and yet somehow that ended up being a thing.
1: It's because Jess is the only other named woman within her age range.
0: I mean, there's that one Imperial spy.
1: Okay. The most likely only other named woman in her age range. Um,
0: yeah, it's true. I, I don't it's know. True. I'm not
1: a huge fan myself of Jess and Ray because one thing, they never meet, another thing, we don't know much about <laughs> Jess. It's such, thing, it's, it's such true. a crack ship. It's such a
0: crack ship because they never meet.
1: <laughs> Usually I love crack ships, but it's a desperation ship at this point because there's nothing else we can do. Um, and that- Also, people
0: are just really excited about Jess because, oh my gosh, a lady pilot, an Asian lady pilot, a cool Asian lady pilot. Oh, her actress was on Game of Thrones. Let's do as much as we can with this cool Asian lady pilot.
1: Yeah, Jess is really cool. I love her and I want more of her in the next thing. Um, but... Yeah, I like the idea of Ray being aromantic. Like, there's nothing in the movie to say that she's not. Nothing at all. So I'm sticking with this until it goes down, basically.
0: Yeah, you don't even get, like, A New Hope level implications at all with stuff like that. Yeah, it's...
1: like, you could read her interactions with Finn as romantic, but also you could very easily read them as platonic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Arrow Ace Rey. Yep, me too. That's super good.
1: <laughs> I'm looking at you episode eight.
0: Or at least be well-written and well-executed and have some good representation going.
1: At least, I think representation think
0: I don't think either of us would be very upset if there was a love interest for her, as long as it was, like, not written hackily,
1: like Lux. (laughs) Oh, God. No, to be fair, though, like, the movies, I think, will do better than that. Um, they haven't really forced romance in, necessarily, in any of the previous movies, like- Um, um, Attack of the Clones, um- I know, but that was essential like I'm Padme and Anakin isn't forced. That is something that was gonna happen. It could
0: have been it could have been written in a less
1: Oh yeah. It could Wow written... Padme,
0: what are you thinking? Way.
1: It could have been written a Like lot he's better. such a creeper in that movie. Padme made bad decisions. But like <laughs> that was gonna happen. Like that, oh, that was essentially to you. the story. But like Luke didn't end up with someone because he was the main character or the hero. And so, like, in this new trilogy, it's not an established thing within Star Wars, exactly, that the main character needs to end up with someone, because they're the hero, and they need to have a love interest. And Rey seems very much on a trajectory where she doesn't need to have that. I mean, she doesn't anyways, but, like, it's not something that they've hinted at, and it's not something that seems to really be important to that character in any way, which it's reassuring who knows where it's gonna go i could be totally proven wrong in like a few years when the third movie comes out and she gets married in the finale but who knows
0: to snoke
1: no absolutely <laughs> not what if snoke is her dad then that's weird
0: no snoke is obviously her mom
1: Oh, obviously.
0: both mysteries solved
1: <laughs> i thought jen was her mom
0: no jen's her dad oh Ooh, or she has two moms.
1: I'm okay with that.
0: One of them's Jin, the other one's Snoke. Jin, what were
1: you thinking? <laughs> I'm not okay with that. Jin's making worse decisions than Padme. Jin needs way better taste in ladies, is what we're saying. <laughs> like Mon Mothma. Maybe. <laughs> basically, this Maybe. entire podcast has just been me like, but what if this lady loves this other lady? <laughs> you say that like I haven't been doing that too. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's basically our lives. Somehow this ended up being our relationship.
1: <laughs> I'm okay with that. Actually, real quickly, I wanted to I wanted to bring up something that I mentioned on Twitter yesterday about trying to write characters as not asexual, as an asexual person. Do you Oh yeah. Have you encountered that ever? Um
0: other than us joking about writing <laughs> romance scenes. Using just like our knowledge of what cues are she had the sudden desire to run her fingers through her hair but she didn't because that would be super rude and also weird <laughs> yeah i haven't written a lot of fiction lately at all um and honestly in general when i've written fiction there hasn't been romance in it so i have not encountered that but more because i guess i ended up yeah thinking about it even when I was like taking creative writing and writing short stories in that class in uh, college like my characters were basically asexual accidentally
1: I guess it's sort of similar in a way to um how when a allosexual writer writes characters they are by default the same allosexual as them and do you think that kind of happens with us without thinking that our characters just become inherently asexual unless we write otherwise because we don't know how else to think I don't think so I think another reason
0: allosexual characters are instantly allosexual or inherently allosexual is because of the heteronormativity and the strength in our culture. Like it's implied the characters have to be this way and you're taught if you diverge from the default at all, it has to be for a specific reason or else you should just go with the default. Like people are actually taught this in character creation courses and creative writing courses and animation courses, I remember Noelle Stevenson talking about that uh, several years ago, like when she was still in art school, I think, before she was doing stuff professionally. But she was she was talking about like how a professor actually told her, sorry, your characters, you know, need to like, is there a reason your characters are female? But like, we're trained to think like this. Um, like how we kind of thought of ourselves by default as being heterosexual with no evidence to back that up. Um, so I think we like, I think it, I think it depends on the author, but I think that there's also like a kind of pressure to put romance in things, even if an author doesn't necessarily intend to originally editors might come in and be like, put this in here, put that in here. But I feel like it would, it would be an individual thing.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's true. Um, but but also like a decision thing. Like,
0: I would totally make the decision to put romance in something. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to put sexual tension in things at all. But I know one of my favorite authors, um, Shannon Maguire, is like she self-identifies as demisexual. There is absolutely sexual attraction that comes up in her books. Uh, her characters are not, her main characters are not necessarily demisexual at all yeah so i think it like it it really depends but yeah with me i have like gosh even the story with the knight and the dragon the knight was like she was totally asexual like in retrospect (laughs) (laughs)
1: like
0: that's just the way i wrote her yeah they're the only two characters in the story but like yeah
1: i guess yeah it does depend on the person but at least even if we do include romance because it's what we are expected to do. It's possible that yeah, our characters will still have that asexual perspective on it, whether or not we intend it, because that's kind of just what we know. Yeah, you're supposed to write what you know.
0: You're also supposed to, you know,
1: try to diverge from that and write other
0: stuff. But there's only so much you can do when like you literally have no concept what you're trying to get across. Yeah. Just but like, yeah, like it's 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 really weird to think about and be like, okay, what is like what does ninety nine percent of the population population experience on a daily basis like how do they feel on a daily basis is this something that's like happening all the time is it just like on and off throughout the day is it not every day i don't know
1: what is it like to just stand near other people (laughs) like i don't know it's weird
0: It sounds weird and exhausting. It
1: does. It sounds really exhausting. And I don't know. It's like
0: I've heard someone say that they were in Boy Scouts until they discovered girls. And then they quit Boy Scouts. And it's like I still like he said it like it was just something that made sense in the natural course of things but i just like i still don't see what the like the causation would be there i don't understand that at all it doesn't make any sense to me
1: no that's weird that's also weird. it was my dad
0: my dad's the one who said that it wasn't some weird person hitting on me <laughs> just to throw that out there i asked my dad like how long he was in boy scouts and he said until i discovered girls it's so weird yeah like is it that time-consuming to be allosexual?
1: I mean, maybe. If you've got a lot of dates, I don't know. (laughs) So many dates. So many.
0: Can't go, sorry, can't sell that Boy Scout popcorn. (laughs) Gotta go on a date. Why don't you just sell the popcorn on your date? I don't understand.
1: I don't know. (laughs) I don't know these people are weird (laughs) it makes no sense yeah that was just like something i was wondering because i was thinking about it yesterday about how this stuff comes into things without you really intending it to but yes
0: not only do we have head cannons we would also love to hear your guys's head cannons which i may have already said but i'm gonna say it again because we really want to hear from you guys about your ace and or arrow head cannons and I don't know other head head cannons too if you want.
1: Yep. Yeah, we love head cannons, and I love hearing about new head cannons, especially when they're ace and arrow. So absolutely hit us up about them.
0: Yes, they're <laughs> always fun. As you see, we both have we both are coming away from here with with new head cannons.
1: Yeah, and speaking of hearing what people say, we also had some people talk about what their favorite teas were to us because. We love tea. We love hot drinks. We love everything. Yes.
0: On Twitter, which you can follow the show's Twitter account at uh, a space pod. We did ask both for, you know, what people would like to hear about in future episodes and what people's favorite tea is. So let's look at some of those responses now. You can still tell us what you want to hear from us in the future.
1: Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'm still just like, apparently Starbucks is like a chili mocha in America or something. It just sounds amazing. Is that a thing where you are in America? I've never had it. I think
0: this, this was Sarah Dempster is the one who mentioned this, by the way. Her favorite hot drink is the Starbucks chili mocha, which did she say it was a new thing? Because like, I haven't heard of it before, um, but I don't know she did like chili hot chocolate is a known thing it is but i've never like had it out somewhere i guess yeah oh you can get it in some places here but like yeah i don't know i'll, I'll have to check that out next time at, i'm at barnes and noble trying to buy a
1: <laughs> actually like speaking of starbucks my favorite hot drink has absolutely become pumpkin spice lattes because i am absolutely living up to the white girl stereotype It is just really good
0: you are the you know american white girl hipster
1: i walk in and i'm like trim decaf Pumpkin spice latte and every time. It's cause time. you're
0: the, it's, it's cause you're the token American in that Starbucks. Yeah, I get You the realize. Same
1: look. I do realize. And it's, it was weird. Okay. It was weird. It's totally unrelated to anything this podcast is about. But when I was in America, I would go into Starbucks to feel like I was at home because even though Starbucks are like inherently very American, I'm so used to them in New Zealand because I go to Starbucks a lot here that Starbucks just feels like a New Zealand thing to me now. And so when I was feeling kind of homesick, I would go into a Starbucks and just order a drink and sit down at Starbucks because they look the same no matter where you go. and <laughs> (laughs) It was, I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) That's like, I read an article about, um, it's called like air style or something in which, or airspace, no, maybe not airspace, but it's basically, um, certain styles and like ways of doing decor have become global for like coffee shops and, um, Airbnbs and things like that, which, you know, that way people can feel like they're at home wherever they go, but it also gets rid of character in some ways. But yeah, with Starbucks, you know, it makes you feel like you're home wherever it's America, Kiwi, just like you.
1: Yay. I love it. Even though New Zealand does not love Starbucks itself.
0: Well, that's because New Zealand probably has a way better coffee culture than most of the US does.
1: Oh, yeah. It was painful it's... trying to get coffee in America.
0: It's so weird. Like, so, oh, right. So as I talked about last time, I did indeed move. I'm now in a different state. I am on the East Coast. It's super weird because I'm coming from Alaska, which is like technically in like one of the Pacific Northwest parts of Alaska. So very strong coffee culture, uh, independent coffee shops, drive through espresso stands. Yeah, the, I have not seen any independent coffee shops since I've gotten to Maryland. Like, it's all just Starbucks or... Or Pete's Coffee.
1: That's really sad. It
0: is. It's like the West Coast. Lots of coffee. East Coast, no. Or at least, sorry, Northwest. Lots of coffee. I'm not really sure about like Southern California. But (laughs) yeah, it's kind of upsetting. Because we could even buy like local coffee roasts in Costco. But not here not here alas yeah. anyway that was sarah's answer was a starbucks chili mocha which i need to try and Juan john jedi apparently likes earl gray green tea and mint flavor green tea and i knew about neither of those i but want i earl do gray
1: green tea so bad
0: me too i do love my bergamot the mint green tea i might have to work up too because that just sounds i don't know how to handle that but then i'm Relatively a traditionalist when it comes to green tea. I like my Genmai Cha.
1: No, that's fair. I am pretty easy when it comes to tea because i'm i'm poor so i just buy cheap tea (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i like genmai cha and hojicha oh yeah hojicha is so good that's so good which for people who are not super into tea and or super into green tea and or no japanese hojicha is roasted green tea genmai cha is roasted brown rice green tea they're both really good and you should try them
1: very educational in many ways indeed (laughs) um so yeah Yeah. oh yeah it looks like oh it looks like someone someone is saying that
0: yeah the uh Chili Mocha is new to Starbucks.
1: Maybe one day it'll get here in like seven years like the pumpkin spice latte. Yay.
0: Um, yeah. (laughs) anyway or you could just like visit america again
1: i mean i'm going to i'll be back
0: okay yeah orlando maybe absolutely anyway katrina's favorite tea is trader joe's chili mango tea that sounds amazing i've never lived in a place with trader joe's before but i might have to look for that i don't really drink fruit tea very much but chili mango tea sounds pretty amazing
1: i have like this mango peach tea um and it's really good
0: that sounds like it'd be too fruity for me
1: it is very fruity (laughs) yeah i think might be an iced tea tea but i just drink it like a normal tea because i am a heathen it's true you are i don't care about (laughs) rules hardened
0: criminal (laughs) saff.
1: tea criminal
0: Tea (laughs) criminal. Anyway, Shannon's favorite hot drink is the peppermint mocha. Always a good one. Yes, peppermint mochas are classic for
1: reason. All other mints need to just step back and accept that peppermint is the best. Yes, it
0: is true. It's very true. And it looks like that was it, but you can continue to feel free to tell us what your favorite hot beverage is, whether it be tea or something else.
1: And where can they hit us up if I to find us and also talk to us online.
0: Well, again the official show Twitter account is space pod on Twitter or you can email us space at tashistation.net and you can of course find both of us at ToshiStation.net, anyways as we both write for it. And the intro music for this beautiful show is Goodbye Moon by the esteemed Marion Call and the outro music is Stars by the excellent Seth Boyer. Links to both of their sites are Available in the show notes, and you should check them out.
1: Yeah, and so, sure, where can we find you online?
0: I am Riorin, spelled R Y O R I
1: N, at Twitter. And again, you can find me at Toshistation.net. And I am Wanda Lustin, W A N D E R L U S T I N. And I can also be found on Toshistation.net, where I write things sometimes and also podcast some more.
0: And you can find the show, not just on ToshiStation.net, but also in the iTunes store now. We have our own dedicated feed now. Hooray! Yes. Or you can find us in the master feed of the Toshy Station podcasts, where you can listen to all sorts of wonderful shows, many of which have SAF on them. Yep. And you can also find us on, in the Google Play store.
1: Yeah. Google Play. Yes. And if you listen to us through iTunes, you should totally s- subscribe. Subscribe to us if you listen to us through there. Um, and also leave us a review because reviews are lovely and we love them.
0: Yep. And you can always feel free to let us know what you would like to hear about on the show. And if you would like to share stories or anything like that, feel free. Again, the show email is a space at Toshy dot net. Or you can just chat on Twitter. Whatever. Yeah, we're always just around. Let, yep. And let us know if you would like. Any suggestions or uh, stories to be anonymous? So that covers the show notes.
1: Yeah, that's everything. Yeah, ever. <laughs> this is it. This is the last episode we're ever doing.
0: <laughs> that's it, guys. Bye.
1: Farewell. <laughs> it's a good run.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. It was very long run of two episodes, or I guess a pilot and an episode that is three times the length of the pilot. No, this isn't actually the last episode. Spoiler. Just- yeah putting that out there in case people take it seriously i hope they don't
1: absolutely hit us up with suggestions of what you want us to talk about because we want to make sure that you all have something you want to listen to i was gonna say something else there and i totally forgot what it was um we want to make sure that we talk about things that you want to hear about and want to learn about and if we can offer any perspective of anything then we absolutely want to do that
0: yeah, because there's there's a lot of things to talk about when it comes to stuff like this, and we are only two people with two human sized human brains. It can only contain so much memory at one time. Only
1: Basically, so I'm memory.
0: saying we, I, I, we we forget things and we don't think of things, and we also m- might just not think of things because it may be outside of our experience. As neither of us is, for example, demi anything to my knowledge.
1: Yeah, that's a good point anyway
0: please enjoy uh-huh. this beautiful song which is stars by seth boyer who is great um this is like the third time we've come to the close of the show
1: i forgot what our there thing was uh, ace,
0: ace out, out i think yeah Maybe? that's it that's it okay ace out, ace out. <laughs>